This is the Mad Lemmings Podcast, episode number three. Hey there and welcome to another episode of the Mad Lemmings Podcast. Today we have another exciting guest on the show. His name's Robert Ryan. He's from Ireland, currently living in Dublin, but while I was talking to him, he's actually in the middle of uh, relocating to Spain, so he was quite busy and it was great of him to take some time out to talk to me. Robert is a WordPress developer, but also a social media and SEO expert. He's been building hundreds of websites for the last six or seven years, and uh, he's going to give us a bit of information on his secrets. Basically, we're going to be delving into Google+. He grabbed Google Plus by the horns last year and wrestled it to the ground and doubled his Google Plus following in a very short time using a lot of really cool tips and tricks and he's going to be sharing all of that with us today and in the second part of the podcast we're going to be talking talking about online marketing and branding and Robert has an extremely cool branding idea he uses a banana as his sort of uh, motto or uh, insignia and he's going to share his ideas about that and the importance of branding, colors, fonts, and how to make yourself stand out online, how he's done that, how important it is, and the consistency across all things you're doing online. And we'll be delving into that as well. So here we go. Interview with Robert Ryan. All right. Thanks, Robert, for taking your time today to join me on the podcast. No, thanks very much for having me, Ashley. I'm looking forward to, to doing this and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, you seem to be uh, getting a a reputation for doing a lot of uh, hangouts and stuff lately and I've, I've seen you around on on Google and I guess you've been enjoying that as well. I have. I'm uh, doing my best to embrace the plus and trying to take over the world one hangout at a time. <laughs> <laughs> sort of uh, the Dr. Evil of uh, Google+. Plus. <laughs> exactly. I've got my little baby finger in my mouth here. <laughs> um, just a quick uh, rundown for the people who don't know you, um, what you're about, what you're, what you're up to during the day and, and so forth. Sure, sure. So my name is Robert Ryan. I'm currently based in Dublin, Ireland, but set to be relocating to Madrid soon. Uh, you can find me at robertryan.ie. By day and by night and by morning and by evening and noon, I'm a WordPress developer, social media and SEO consultant. Uh, I've been online and active online for about six or seven years. It all started when I started an online business called Lady Umbrella, which is still up and running at ladyumbrella.com with my girlfriend, Elena Montes. She's the graphic designer. And so that was my kind of baptism of fire into the online world when I said, okay, let's see if I can get a business up and running. And primarily, I want to be able to promote it without having to spend a ton on marketing or advertising. And mm -hmm. so I turned to Facebook and Twitter. At the time, there was no Google+. Um, and that kind of, I suppose, got me indoctrinated into the social media world. And as a result of what I did with Lady Umbrella, I was asked to give some talks around Ireland for different kind of, I suppose, some councils and this, that and the other different people. Um, and I just continued to snowball and I just continued to work online and discover and learn new things. And it's all culminated in this, this podcast with you now, actually. Okay. <laughs> so you, you, you became quite famous from, from that setup. I mean, I've seen you mention Lady Umbrella before and I kind of today just scanning through your posts again, realized that that was actually your doing. I thought it was work you'd done for somebody else, but that launched you into a kind of a, a world tour of Ireland then or... Well, I wouldn't exactly call it a world tour, but uh, <laughs> yeah, a few a few speaking gigs over a few years, and you know, I've had even before I started to do this kind of professionally, I was always interested in helping people because it was kind of my way of, I suppose, testing myself and improving myself. That if these people 
they you know they wanted to get some help with a, an online strategy or a social media strategy or ideas for what they could do then i would like to try help them out because the way i see it is all everything that you do online is lots of little pieces just trying to fit them all together to make the the online representation of what you want your business or brand to be and so by helping people kind of assemble their little jigsaw puzzles i think it made it a little bit easier for me to assemble what is now my my rr or my robert ryan uh, website and brand which is kind of my my primary business and my primary money maker and i think it's born out of the you know the five or six years i had in the past with lady umbrella and with helping other people and you know before i set up my robert ryan site i was the the marketing director for a restaurant pub and club in dublin city center and i looked after all their online stuff as well and built their website and that's actually how i got started then doing uh, web development with with the guy i currently do web development with a chap called niall flynn who's a bit of a, a bit of a genius who he's based in dublin and he uh, he asked me then if i'd like to to team up with him so we're kind of two freelancers who were loosely affiliated with each other and help each other out uh-huh. okay all right excellent I had, I had no idea all right so now I'm... yeah kind of kind of roundabout but that's no, no, my I'm... story and not so uh not so neat nutshell no i mean that's the world right nothing's that clean <laughs> indeed absolutely absolutely so i mean that's quite interesting i mean you've basically learned by by teaching which i found the same in blogging and, and that's one of the best ways to to know that you know what you're talking about or to make sure you know exactly what you're talking about is to have to clarify in your own mind exactly yeah and i also like the the idea of you know speaking in public and having a captive audience prior to to this sort of online world uh I actually have a diploma in music, so I used to, to perform a lot on stage and be in bands and make a little bit of noise. So I still like to uh, to have a bit of an audience in front of me, uh-huh. our, our ears to massage with my, my dulcet tones. So you you spend still a bit of time speaking then? Or... No, no, but I, I hope to get back into it. And I think that's primarily because, as I said, I wasn't as full on online for about two years whilst I was working uh, in, in, the, in the restaurant and doing the marketing there. So it, it was more kind of focused on the restaurant side of stuff as opposed to, you know, marketing online because it's a local business. So you can only do so much per se. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's why I wasn't, I haven't done any talks in a while, but I'd hope that they will come again now in time. Yeah, I mean, it's something I've been considering on the side as well, and it's quite difficult to do here in Switzerland because of the language issues and so yeah. forth. But yeah, a lot of people here need educating, and uh, I work sometimes with Sarah Santa Croce. I'm not sure if you know her. She has a company called Simplicity, and I'm doing a podcast with her next week, I think. And she always talks about that, and that's something I'm just sort of learning now, starting to do this work here in Switzerland, is that the audience here is not mostly not ready for blogging and social media. So getting them ready before you even start doing the work is one of the biggest steps that they need to take and perhaps yeah. doing talks and education would be a way of doing that that seems like a good well, idea although in, in a way what you said kind of jives and tallies with what i would have experienced a few years back whilst i was doing it as well some people who were there at the talks they might have been sent by their their companies or whatever are they independent business owners themselves uh, but not everybody would have been sold on the idea of social media at least at that time you're going back maybe four or five years so i would say the hesitancy that some business owners may have had has diminished as it's become a little bit more kind of all-encompassing and a bit more, you know, prevalent everywhere. Um, so I would say, language barrier aside, hopefully Switzerland is now ready to embrace the <laughs> social media world, you know. But yeah, no, I experienced that in Ireland as well. Okay, I mean, it's probably worth even testing the waters and seeing anyway. But that's a side issue. And 
I mean, one of the things that I wanted to get in with you today deeply with is sure. uh, your interesting and, and noteworthy uh, Google K1 challenge that you did last year. I think a lot of the lessons you learned leading up to that and from that are, are definitely worth getting into because you had quite a lot of fun and some really interesting tips I found because you were coming at it as uh, as a baby, basically, in Google compared to most of, of the other guys in there. And you've come out of it very well from what I've seen. So let's take a dive Still into a that. Of, a bit of a baby. Okay. <laughs> What's K1 challenge? This was a notion I had back towards the end of November. I said, okay, for the month of December, I'm going to see if I can finally get myself to 1,000 circles or 1,000 followers, uh, whatever you call them, on Google+. Plus. Uh, at the time, I think I had, let me see if I can pull up the, real, the post real quick. At the time, I had 526, so I needed to obtain 484 people within the month of December. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, you know, so it's pretty much a, a doubler is what I had to do in a month. And given that I had been on Google Plus for quite a few months prior to that, um, I, I wasn't too confident that I was going to be able to do it. But by setting myself the challenge for one month, I, I really had to just kind of focus on it, commit to it, and you know, kind of go balls out. A lot of times, uh, I are rather on Google Plus, I had been a little bit shy and kind of hesitant to, I don't know, put my stuff out there as openly as I am now. Uh, and I suppose during the K1 challenge, the month of December, that was when I cast those shackles off and just had a go. And at that point, you know, but till end of November, start of December, I had done a lot of study, a lot of reading, listened to Eric Enge, Mark Traphagen, Dustin Stout, Mike Alton, all the kind of the, the big wigs on Google Plus who are just doing things right on a daily basis. And I tried to understand what the hell are these guys actually doing? How can I take a leaf out of their book to make my Google Plus presence just a little bit better and hopefully, you know, get to my, uh, get to my peak? Of, uh, of, of the challenge, of the K1 challenge, uh, and I did. I, uh, thankfully, I did. I think I did it on the maybe the 21st or the 22nd of December is when I actually hit the the thousand followers, and I'm close closing in on 2,000, I think now. Um, but again, I would say it was because I set the challenge. I tried to do something a little bit different, which piqued the attention of some of the you know some of the the bigger people on on Google Plus. Like I'm forever indebted to the likes of Christine the Graph and Craig Chamberlain who uh, happened to see my, my yellow branding and my banana mugshot or whatever and, you know, spread my message on then, spread my K-plus challenge on, um, and that's what helped. And I think okay. the, the reason why the challenge actually might have worked, like, uh, do, do you want me to try to give my, some of the ideas I had behind the challenge? Yeah, I mean, I'd uh, like to delve into that. I mean, you, okay. cause you, you did some interesting things and you tried some stuff out, and that's what I find always interesting to talk about with people is what did they do that was maybe slightly different or, or um, interesting or maybe even failed. It doesn't matter. Let's, yeah, let's yeah, have yeah. a listen. Okay, so well, I have I pulled the, the blog post up in front of me and I'll just kind of talk about the main points that are in it. So one of the things that I said is to tell the story. And what I mean by this is <clears throat> people are more inclined to get on your team if they understand what direction your team is playing. So you have to tell your story, tell what you're about, say where you've come from and where you want to get to because this just it gets it makes it a lot easier for people to firstly kind of relate to you on some level for whatever reason because maybe they have a similar challenge or objective in mind or a sim- part of your story you know chimes with one of their stories or something they've done in the past so by telling your story you're going to form as i say a bit of a band of brothers who are going to help you along for the ride as you go from point a to point b wherever a point a and point b are so that was one of the first things i did was you know hi i'm i'm rob and just being very clear about who i am uh, and, and i do think that helps it's simple but that definitely helps. So another thing that I did and I was big on doing at the time, however, I'm not big on doing now, was including a link to Pinterest 
uh, within my Google Plus blog posts because Google Plus and Pinterest just seem to, to play very nicely together. Uh, visual images and long infographic type things, uh, you know, spread very, very nicely on Google Plus. Um, so, okay, top tip is make sure you have a, a long cover image and whatever you're sharing on Google+. Plus. However, I wouldn't share to Pinterest now because if you do that, it's for an SEO play. If you have one link shared in your Google+, Plus post, then any plus ones will be attributed to that one link that's in that plus one or that's in that post, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard a similar story. That's the, the upside of the Pinterest link is it links to Pinterest but the downside is is that it's a second link correct so neither link gets the, the the plus one goodness and you know when you see you know Google plus with search plus your world so that is everybody who is kind of connected to you and happens to plus one your stuff their friends may then be you know um, they have a, a better chance of seeing stuff that has been plus one by a kind of a mutual friend between two people but you're going to lose that if you have the Pinterest link in it. And uh, recently I had a post, uh, Google Plus, authorship and uh, publisher, the difference between authorship and publisher. Mm-hmm. And I, well, I, I said that's my most viral post yet, or I didn't know what to do. As I pinched myself when I got over 250 reshares. <laughs> but because I had done the, I had omitted the Pinterest link, and it's got now like thousands of plus ones attributed with that particular blog post on my website wow. where I know none of my other posts have that many plus ones associated with them because I had been including the, the Pinterest uh, link. So Pinterest, so basically don't do Pinterest. Don't follow that part of my blog post if you're, if you're reading online now as we're going through it. So communities, jump into communities. There's all sorts of different communities on Google Plus for all sorts of niches, markets, and interests. So find a community that relates to what you're doing and instead of just going in on a spam fest, go in there and be helpful to people answer questions and then tell your story p.s by the way i'm doing this challenge or p.s i'm interested in finding people who have these interests or whatever it may be uh say hi this is the biggest one this is by far the biggest one um by far by far the biggest one when when people circle you back uh not not everybody because it'll it'll take too much time (laughs) but you should reach out to them and say, hey, thank you very much for circling me. I really appreciate it. And, ju- and just say why. Or say what interests them about, or what interests you about them, or why you circle them in the first place. And what this will do, it'll really build a bit of rapport. And I did this with a lot of people. Um, and for those of you who said hi to, I, I said hi for a reason and I meant it. But some of them actually got back to me, or most of them thankfully got back to me. But a lot of them said, you know what, Rob, it's rare that people actually do this. So it's kind of cool that you've done this. And that's a little... You know, it's a differentiator. If you do something that a lot of people don't do, the people that you, you know, you do the thing to, they're going to remember you and odds are they'll share your stuff a bit more or they'll be more inclined to help you out if you are, you know, embarking on a K1 challenge like I did or, or doing something. Or it, It's all good in the karma bank, basically. And so the next little thing I had was called cross-pollinate. So that is if you have a big network on, say, the likes of uh, Twitter, share your Google Plus posts out to Twitter so that you can try cross-pollinate the networks. Um, and if that happens, you know, you're, there's a chance that your message may spread from Google Plus to Twitter to Facebook and ping around. Again, not one of the biggest things I would say, but not to be overlooked. It can be very beneficial and helpful. So uh, Hangouts, which I think we discussed in the green room, I'm a big fan of doing Hangouts on air. I've uh, been fortunate to do a few of them now. Uh, and I would say they're quite beneficial in trying to get yourself fully enthralled in the Google Plus environment. Um, and it's 
it's kind of a cool thing too. I, for me, a little a little man here in, in Ireland, it's not often that uh, I get to talk with people who are in California or talk with people who are wherever the hell they are, you know, but using Google Plus Hangout, it, it's very cool, you know, and I'm sure you've experienced a few of them yourself, actually. You know, when you can see people, it does add a little bit more to, the, to just the, you know, an oral conversation when you can also see people visually. Yeah, sure. Um, and then, okay, the last little little tip that I have in this post, anyways, free info. Give away a lot of good stuff. Give away a lot of helpful, actionable, useful information that people will go, well, Jesus Christ, I'm going to have to check this blog post again because that was very beneficial for me. I've actually found that useful. Uh, I'm going to remember Rob because Rob's a good skin and he's helped me out a lot. So the more good information you give people, the more it'll come back. And like one thing I've always said to whenever I'm with business owners or clients, whatever, it's almost you know, you got to flip everything on your head, your old business mindset of where you kind of maybe give out a little pen or a biro for free in the hope that someone's going to come back and buy a BMW from you. You got to kind of completely do away with that. The more free stuff you give to people, the more they will come back to you. It's kind of, again, the, the, the psychological principle of the power of reciprocity. If people feel indebted to you, you know, that's when they're going to come and buy something from you. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was my Google plus K1 challenge. Okay, so basically, I mean, what you were trying to do was, I mean, some things are, are quite standard, I guess, the long posts, the sharing, great information and so forth. But you, something else I think you also mentioned when I read the post a few months ago was, I think you were also doing a bit of GIF stuff as well, right? Okay, well, the GIF. Yeah, the power of the GIF. Um, this is Craig Chamberlain, who I affectionately called it the GIF master. Uh, <laughs> he was a guy who I saw spreading these GIFs when I first started. And I was like, Jesus, how the hell are these going so viral? It's just crazy. And so I said, okay, I'm going to put a few gifts up myself. And so on a daily basis, or maybe not on a daily basis, because I didn't want to do overkill and I didn't want to be like a Craig Chamberlain, Mark Duh. So on a gif it every two or three days maybe. Um, and lots of gifts are funny. People like to interact and engage with them and share them. Um, so one gift that I actually had, when I was very close to crossing the line for uh, achieving my K1 challenge, I had a, a gif of like a guy who was making a big pyramid with little, I don't know, domino blocks or whatever they were. And he was close to finishing it. And then thousands of these dominoes started to fall down. And, you know, you could a real head and hand moment. But that particular gif uh, was shared, I think it was seven or 800 times, reshared seven or 800 times. And, and that is by far and away the most, most, viral post I've had however I won't take any credit for it because it was just a epoxy gif as opposed to anything that I created myself but that got shared like it was going out of fashion yeah. uh, I think it made it to the what's hot page as well or what's recommended page on Google Plus um, and that again it, that helped me cross the line but I would say just with regards to the gifs there is a point of diminishing returns with gifs I think and what I mean there is it's a very broad net for the type of follower you may get as a result of a GIF. Hmm. For example, if I'm posting and talking about SEO and Google Plus and uh, WordPress and whatever it is, I'm going to be attracting those type of people. However, if I start posting a, a daily GIF about, uh, say, you know, humorous GIFs or funny GIFs or whatever it is, I'm going to get people who are interested in those sort of GIFs, which is, which is fine and good, but they may never actually become a customer of mine. So the inflated numbers or circle count that I'm going to get as a result of continually doing GIFs, they, you know, at what point, or there, there does come a point when you have to go, well, you know, 
our numbers for show are our, our, our numbers for business. So I prefer that. I try to have a nice balance between the two. Sure, some numbers are good. You get a little bit of social proof, but you don't want it to be all fluff. Yeah, um, I think that's that's a typical problem that even I had in the beginning. I think a lot of people suffer from number itis, and I still get yeah. attra- attracted to my my analytics and whatever you want to call it. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I did the same on Twitter, and now I don't really do that anymore. But uh, well, I'd say I'd say there's a load of Twitter accounts from people who are social media practitioners or whatever who back in the day, you know, we were all very young and very green. But, you know, behind the ears, and, and that was just the way it was done. You you follow a hundred people or two hundred people a day. Then the following day, you unfollow maybe fifty people, or yeah. those didn't follow you back, and just keep keep going through the process. But then the end result is, you know, thousands of followers, but big whoop. No, no interaction, which is exactly. the problem, right? Now that I'm exactly. trying to start a business, I realise that what I need is not. I mean, followers is great, and resharing is nice, but ultimately, what you're looking for is. And what's I think it's this. There's a book out there that a lot of the big guys talk about a thousand, uh, thousand perfect customers fans. or whatever. Yeah, I was just about to say the exact same thing. Great minds thinking I like there. I love it. But yeah, I think if they say if you get to about a thousand true fans, that's all you need to sustain you, like for, for whatever the type of business is, and that is it. So you put out a new product a couple of times a year, thousand true fans. They will probably purchase your new product because they're true true fans, but they will also be the echo chamber they will be your marketing army they'll be the zealots who will let your message reverberate throughout the you know the social media sphere uh, and then as a result of those thousand true fans who spread the word like a bible uh you'll, you'll get more sales on the back of that again so yeah, yeah and and from my lady umbrella experience we never quite got to a thousand true fans but we have been insanely fortunate to be able to i would say get close to uh, maybe a quarter of that maybe 250 true fans Mm-hmm. And that is worth, you know, a lot to us. But, you know, Lady Umbrella is quite a personal brand for us as well. You know, our personal project or whatever. And the fact that people do, uh, you know, uh, they latch onto it and they like it or they love it. Um, it's a pretty cool thing. So whatever the business is, once you do start to get these 1,000 true fans, you know, you will understand the value of them because the connection is completely different, um, just completely different. So, yeah, true fans, it's where it's at as opposed to inflated number counts for swollen egos. Well, I was about to jump into circle sharing, which I know you mentioned, and maybe I'll just quickly throw a sentence in there, but I won't sure. spend time on it. But this is one of the things that I got sucked into in Google Plus in the early days, and I actually dumped them all about a month ago. I think after reading your post or someone else's, I'm like, what was I thinking? But it's the idea of I'll get tons of fans really quickly if I use one of these circle shares. And for people out there who don't know what that is, is people make a, like a collection of people that are worth following for whatever reason and you can bulk follow them and throw them into a circle and Mm. in the hope that they'll follow you back i mean that's what most people do it for and this is the same problem right it's the bulk following with the hope of following back or circling or whatever you want to call it and Mm. and you found also in your google uh, experiences that 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 wasn't something you wanted to be doing because it doesn't give you any decent fans, right? Um, Correct. From from the from the start, I actually shied away from that. Um, again, as I said, I was fortunate, I guess, to somehow or other happen upon some of the you know the big wigs in Google Plus, and like Martin Shervington's another one. So I was reading his stuff, and you know, just I don't know, I got the idea, and maybe it was born out of the fact from you know years on Facebook and Twitter that it's just not the right way to go hmm. to do these kind of massings. If it's easy, it's not going to be beneficial in the long run, basically. <laughs> And, and that is that is the kind of the ultimate nugget for all things online. I, even relating back to my point about giving away good info, if a blog post of good info in, in inverted commas are what you perceive to be good info, if you can get that done in maybe twenty or thirty minutes, odds are it's not that great. 
yeah, you yeah, know, because yeah. you really got to put time and effort into it uh, in the content that you're putting in, but also in the way that you're going to present it, be it with a graphic it's, or whatever it is. And that stuff just doesn't happen in, in 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah. Like the, the best blog posts that I've done, uh, like my Google Plus Hovercard one, I spent hours on that. My Google Plus Authorship and Publish one spent hours on that. The SEO Anatomy of a Blog Post, I spent hours on that. But they were the ones that have, you know, helped me expand my audience and ex- helped me expand my reach because I'm actually going out of my way to try to give something useful to people. Um, and, and I suppose the... The, uh, the, the proof of that is whenever I go and meet clients, I ask them, uh, can you actually go to my site there and pull up this blog post and I'm going to use this as the basis to talk to you about your on-site SEO or I'm going to use this as the basis for how you go about setting up authorship just because, you know, if what I'm giving out online is what I show to clients as well. Yeah, but then the clients get, yeah. The, yeah. get the benefit of having me in the room with them, which is always worth money. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because it took me six months to realize. I mean, I wasn't, I don't think I was producing rubbish by any means, but mm. I realized that the easy path to anything that I tried in, in thinking you could get far quick, just it just does not happen. Yeah. And I try to shake people up with some of my blog posts. I wrote a big one about making money on, on Tim Bonner's blog recently. And, and Actually, I think I that, he, yeah. he, got, he got tons of interaction on that because I was saying, look, you know, big guys have done big things, but it's taken them a really a long time like years to do it and yeah. they've diversified like crazy and you know each year they do one new area maybe and it's mm-hmm. taken them seven eight nine years to get where they are and even some of that was when the web was not as big mm-hmm. and not as many blogs around and it took them a ton of time and you know we want to do it in six months and it's just not going to happen not easily anyway not easily no it's either unless you have some amazing fortune like you know paris hilton starts a blog okay She's going to get far fast, but you know that's a that's a different story, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of based on her real world uh, influence as opposed to anything else. Certainly not talent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, if you own a chain of hotels or your or your father does, then you know yeah, you, can, yeah. you can do a lot of different things. But and that's that's it was a lead in from your last thing about you know getting somewhere and, and branding yourself correctly. And you talked about this a little bit in the beginning there and and I remember sending you a tweet once and we had a bit of a laugh about that I was calling you banana man because that's right you have that's your right. <laughs> you have your great picture of the banana and I was just hearing a, a call with uh, Rebecca and Peg with um, Ryan Hanley's uh, podcast today and they were talking about sticking with colors mm. sticking with specific visuals and I'm realizing that sometimes mine's pretty good but I also need to stay more on track and what's, what's your take on that? Because I think you've done that really, really well. Well, again, I think I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fortunate. My, my girlfriend, Elena, is the one who's, she's, she's a graphic designer. So I get her to do all of my sort of stuff. Like, like the yellow, I, I don't know why I chose the yellow or how it happened, um, <laughs> but it just did. Maybe it's my subconscious, my father's favorite color is yellow. So I'm trying to please him unbeknownst to myself. Who knows? <laughs> or maybe it's because it, it matches with a banana. But, yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> so I have yellow as my kind of, okay, well, it's a bit more than that as well. But I was doing a little bit of research into colors and yellow, it's uh, generally, it's it doesn't put, turn people off. It doesn't alarm people. It gives people the impression of friendliness and openness and a little bit of trust. So that's kind of why I chose yellow as well. Okay. Uh, and also in the social media world, Facebook is blue, uh, Twitter is blue, LinkedIn is blue, Google Plus is kind of ready. But in all of those, or in the majority of social media networks, yellow is going to kind of stand out if you have it on your avatar. Mm. And, you know, my Google avatar or whatever, I have my yellow background. And I think it, it, it does tend to stand out a little bit. Um, so that's kind of why the yellow came about. And for 
like the branding, I'm big on being consistent. I like to put my logo or overlay my logo on pretty much everything I do, have my site address, most things I do, have a little bit of my color scheme, which is yellow, a gray, and a different type of gray, um, just everywhere I go. And the reason for that is it just builds up the familiarity. And once people get familiar uh, and no one trusts something or somebody, they're going to be much more receptive to, to listening or to spending time reading whatever they have to say, and then they'll be more inclined to possibly share it on. But if every time you know, you're going to have a different color, or a different logo, or just something isn't consistent. Uh, us humans, we, we don't naturally fall into reading because it might be just slightly jarring from what we had anticipated to see. So, for example, I would say now that if for for those people who have been reading my stuff for the last few months and, and know me as the yellow Robert Ryan with the banana occasionally, if I were to go to green with an apple and start calling, okay, keep my name obviously, but go to green with an apple, people wouldn't recognize that and so I would say I would lose a lot of whatever click-through I have or whatever you know, the number of readers that I get I would say there'd be a big drop off on them so consistency is uh, is up the top when I when I think about branding basically yeah um, but I, if I have done a do you want to kind of delve into this a bit more yeah Happy sure sure again? I mean this is one of the topics I wanted to go over because I think okay. of all the people out there doing this except for say Coca-Cola or like let's forget about the big guys I mean I don't see many people doing a great job of website design and branding, and that's something I love and mm. and I like to portray as well. and And I think it's worth going deeper if you if you have okay, more to say about sure. it. Well, again, if people uh, want to go, I've got a on my site. It's branding yourself in a banana is the name of the blog post, um, and let's go through it now. So th uh, there's a few points, a few tips that I give on how and what you should do uh, to try brand yourself. So top of the list is believe the hype. If you don't believe that you're a WordPress developer, a social media consultant, and an SEO guru, no one else will. Hmm. So you got to believe the hype first. And you don't want it to be all fluff. You have to substantiate your claims. You have to be able to, you know, provide the, the, the proof that you are actually, the, you, you live up to the claims that you make. But I think if you lowball yourself and if you don't say, this is what I am, uh, you're, you're not going to set the tone right from the start. So get the tone right from the start. Say, yeah, this is what I am. You know, and I'm going to show it to you over the next six months if you follow me along. And, you know, by starting, by kind of with a believe the hype approach, you're also instantaneously incorporating the art of telling a story. Because for there to be some hype, there has to be some story. And so that's kind of your, your, your starting point. Find out what you want to be, how you want to portray yourself, and then just be kind of tenacious and go for it. Uh, and, and you need a... I suppose it's a bit of a ballsy play at times, um, and that's kind of what I was talking about before with my Google Plus K1 challenge, that I had been hesitant to do this sort of stuff and, and to be as open as I'd like to be. Uh, and, and that kind of comes down to this. I wasn't believing my own hype, maybe. Um, <laughs> I, and I said, let's just have a go. Let's pull the finger out, and let's see what happens. I, I roll the dice, and now look at me. It's all culminated in this. Uh, so believe the hype. And then the next thing perception is reality and this is a thing I like to, to say a lot to a, to a lot of clients is if your site looks you know polished and uh, professional people will think you're a polished professional if your site looks a little bit raggedy a little bit all you know over the place it won't give the right perception uh, you know another little cliche but you never get a second chance to make a first impression and within the few seconds that people have on your site if there's some details that kind of don't chime with what they're expecting to see you've created that mismatch in their mind which is just kind of a 
bit of a game over. So whatever your perception is uh, or the perception people have of you will become the way they view you in reality. So by trying to kind of control that a little bit, you can then influence the way people view you, um, if that makes sense. And it's kind of like a lot of the fake it till you make it. Like how many people do we see on the X Factor who are just absolutely rubbish, absolutely rubbish, but they believe in themselves and because they're on TV, it becomes a reality. And so in a way, it's just that sort of mindset, but scaling it down and taking away Simon Cowell and making it a bit more virtuous. Uh, Okay, so perception is reality is that point. So the next one, which I've already kind of touched on is uh, be consistent. So consistency is key. If people cannot quickly recognize you, your brand, your face, your product, they will be less inclined to interact with you in any way, shape, or form. And so the way to overcome that is be consistent, be consistent, be consistent in your colors, in your tone, in your uh, basically in everything and anything you do online. You want to try do it consistently. Okay, so next little one. So what? In, Images, text, tone, across all platforms. Yeah. Okay, so something to remember you by. And for those who are actually uh, reading the blog post as I'm talking, you can see the little picture of Ashley and his tweet. Uh, because <laughs> I, I don't know, you, you actually kind of were one of the, the reasons why I, I wrote this post was when you got in touch with me, um, Craig Chamberlain, Christine de Graff, and all these people started talking about my, my banana. I said, okay, maybe there's something to this. And then I came up with this branding yourself post. Uh, and one of the... the things I talk about in it is something to remember you by uh, and that in a way is my little kind of banana thing you know so what I mean there is there is a lot of fluff online there's a lot of noise and chatter that isn't important so what you want to try to do is cut across that a little bit and give people something different something quirky something charming something witty something special memorable or different that they will go hang on I've never seen that before and feck it it's going to stick in my mind and once you get something to stick in their mind some way you've you know that's half the battle is won and if it's a, a stupid image of you with a banana or if it's a yellow background or if it's a little bit of your Irish charm wit and humour make sure you intermingle it and sprinkle it into whatever you're doing because that's, they're, they're the little nuggets that people will remember. People probably won't remember. Uh, okay, well, they're the things that people will latch on to. The information being solid and sound is, is important. But if there's nothing, you know, if there's no unique twist on it, people will just go to Wikipedia. Because Wikipedia is pretty much the info on, on, you know, <laughs> on whatever we want. There are other sources out there. But if your source, you have to do something that is a little bit with that X factor but not Simon Cowell X factor. Okay. <laughs> uh, so then the next thing up is I, I like the way it sounds. So this is um, one thing that I, I try to do a fair bit and this is more the uh, linguistic side of things. So Coca-Cola, uh, very alliterative name. It rattles around in someone's mind once you hear it purely because of all the C's. So one thing I like to try to do is to make titles of posts sound nice so that when people hear them it kind of hmm, just rolls around a little bit uh, it doesn't always work but things like that I think as I said before it's all part of the bigger puzzle all the little little parts of uh, the the little pieces that you have to try get in place so that the whole online image aligns and I think the you know the use of language is pretty key online um, so by using alliteration and onomatopoeia, you can try differentiate yourself from from other people a little bit. So yeah, so the, another kind of thing is the rhythm of uh, of a title or the rhythm of a post. As people are reading it, 
is it going to rattle in their mind a little bit? And if it rattles in their mind a little bit, they're going to remember you because you've been able to rattle. Um, so even like, for example, this post that I'm reading now is branding yourself and a banana. So always just try to get a little bit of alliteration in there. I, I, maybe it's just a bad habit I have, but it's what I do. Okay, so uh, another point is don't pigeonhole yourself. Even though you're going to brand yourself, don't be too limiting in what you're going to be an expert in. Especially, I would say, this is kind of key online uh, because things change so quickly online. And if you are the de facto MySpace expert, you're now out of a job. So, you know, well, maybe you're not technically out of a job. Are MySpace still circling the drain <laughs> Somehow, or are they coming it's, back? It's out there somewhere. <laughs> it's somewhere. It's somewhere in, in the deep web. But don't pigeonhole yourself too much. I would say, yes, you can be an authoritative expert. Like Mark Traphagen is known for his, uh, his authorship. Um, was it David Amerland is known for his semantic search. But besides, not you know, on top of all those things, though, or as well as those things, they are, you know, online marketers, content experts, all these other things. And they would be known as all those other things because they're not solely pigeonholed. Uh, now, hopefully they don't disagree with me and say, well, no, no, all I can do is authorship and all I can do is semantic. But I was, don't pigeonhole yourself too much. Um, and so, for example, one way to kind of get around that is if you're going to try have a slogan or a catchphrase, like, for example, I call myself uh, the online element. So that in itself isn't too focus on one thing it's kind of nebulous and it encompasses all the you know all the things that i may do online or that i'm currently doing online that i hope to do online in the future yeah and um, so don't pity yourself be remarkable so this is uh <clears throat> you know from the seth godin school of branding here but you have to have a little bit of the x factor or do something that will make people go mm, wow i'm gonna i'm gonna actually remember that i've never seen that before so seth godin has his purple cow analogy which i'm sure most people have heard, but I'll quickly go through it. Say you're driving down a motorway uh, and there's you know, normal, regular moo cows on the right-hand side and cars pass by them, non-plus, not interesting at all. However, you then come to a field where there's purple cows and a huge, uh, all the cars pull over, people start taking photos, people start sending the photos to their friends because it's a purple cow. It's not a, a cow that's been dyed or anything, it's a bona fide purple cow. And it's strange, it's remarkable. And because it's something that's different, it just has the propensity to spread or to be spread by people so if you can find something that is that little bit different um, you know you're, you're onto a winner uh, so be remarkable and then visually speaking one of the key things for branding uh, is make sure your graphics are, are, are good and again as I keep saying I'm very fortunate that Elena looks after me and she does all my graphic work for me but I cannot understate the importance of a uh, of the, the work that Elaine has done for me. I would say that without her doing what she's done, I wouldn't have achieved my K1 challenge. And a lot of the stuff that I talk about, which I hope people find beneficial and useful, a lot of people wouldn't have heard about it purely because my graphics wouldn't be up to scratch. Um, and I see a lot of people online sometimes with graphics and they have good content, but the graphics are, are there, just there. It doesn't match, you know? Yeah, it's, um, a so I, it's a common problem. It's, yeah. And it's difficult because... I mean, part of it's taste. I mean, yeah, okay, we all have different taste, and some sure. taste is, is very old-fashioned, I still find, but okay, there's obviously still a, a need for that out there. Some people like that, and that's not me, but uh, I still find it surprising, yeah. but I mean, that's people are different. But ultimately, and it's exactly what I was hearing today on this podcast from Rebecca Radis and uh, Peg Fitzpatrick about Pinterest, and in general, is that images right now, 
on Google now because I think today they just launched or yesterday they just launched a, a new way of displaying visuals on Google Plus and you can now put huge, I think they said something like 1200 by 800 or something wow. something huge so it's displaying differently i haven't looked at it yet but they yeah, talked yeah. about that in the podcast and pinterest of course is all about images mm-hmm. and i wrote a post i think it was last week about it uh visual is the new black in mm-hmm. social media it is i mean basically you've got video you've got instagram okay it's small you've got pinterest as small but they're up and coming but even if you forget about them twitter is now showing images and when you look at a stream of text and an image suddenly pops up it's far more interesting than the text. Yep. And then blog posts. I look at a blog post, which is tiny 10 font or 12 font. And I'm like, I can't even write. I mean, my vision's not that great. And I'm looking at these massive wads of text. And then all of a sudden you see a nicely spaced out post with visuals included. It's very enticing. It makes you want to read it. And on Google or Pinterest or whatever, it makes you want to click it. So people who are ignoring that, I think they can keep ignoring it for a little while longer, but sooner or later they're going to miss out because other people are going to pass them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would agree. And yeah, I think the points you made are, are valid. And people have different tastes and different budgets and different whatever. But for anybody thinking of starting out, see if you can get yourself a girlfriend who's a graphic designer. <laughs> Or, or, or another option which was mentioned in this podcast, which is something I've been trying but haven't actually posted on yet, is uh, Canva. I don't know if you've heard of Canva. Canva? Is yeah. that like short for canvas for some sort I, of I presume tool? For, some, yeah. for somebody born in another country, maybe. I'm not sure where the S went. But anyway, it's kind of <laughs> like Flickr without the E. But yeah, uh, yeah. it's a tool for designing really nice graphics with kind of banners and... Uh, little circles and you know this kind of stamps from a university degree stamp this kind of look and feel Mm -hmm. um you can basically construct a blog post header with text and nicely looking with colors you can even use some of their images although i think a lot of them you have to pay for but you can assemble an image in there and maybe you need the help of PicMonkey or pixlr or whatever Mm -hmm. but using this tool and this is what Rebecca and Peg were saying, they pretty much only use these tools now. You can create a professional-looking image in half an hour, yeah. and you don't need to know how to do it. I mean, you don't need to hire someone who does Photoshop and Illustrator. It's not necessary. Mm. So I certainly suggest people who are w- wanting to take that up and have even found Pixlr and PicMonkey too complicated should maybe try Canva. I mean, mm-hmm. it's and I think it's totally necessary these days. Absolutely, you know. Um, without it, without good images, you're not gonna you're not gonna be at the races. I would say, and I would, I would say that with a bit of definitiveness as well. I I can't see anybody doing well without images, at least going forward. So get your images sorted uh, and give the, your content the platform it needs to actually get spread. Um, because yeah, a picture picture is where it's at. Yeah, exactly. I mean, an infographics, and I saw you were also doing a few of those um, on your post, and I'd thought of creating some myself, but it's obviously time-consuming. But yeah. uh, even just sharing good ones you find, which I also do on a sort of a fortnightly or monthly basis, some of the shares I've gotten on just summary posts on an infographic I find mm-hmm. are, are insane. Yeah. Well, summary posts is something that I like to do a lot as well because they, you know, who is it always says, just keep, add value, add value to the stream. And if you go and, you know, do a nice synopsis of a big long post that people can, you know, digest in just a few 
you know, 20 lines on Google Plus or whatever versus 100 lines on an actual blog post. Mm -hmm. That's worth something to somebody. It's kind of the TLDR, the too long didn't read version of a long blog post. Uh, and I think that's what's very, you know, that's pretty beneficial on Google Plus, especially as you say, if you have that in tandem with uh, a big, you know, 1200 pixel length uh, infographic or something like that. Yeah, because long blog posts and I have a tendency to write them and I know sometimes it's not what people are after and I mm -hmm. sometimes split them up into with links at the top so they don't have to read the whole lot or, mm -hmm. or whatever and I like to have long content but I know and I've been trying to change it up and this podcast is part of that is that some people listen, some people watch, some people read mm -hmm. and if you're only writing blog posts and you're not changing it up at all and you're not getting seriously involved on some of the social media platforms then you're missing huge audiences which uh, are in other areas who don't read or who don't or can't be bothered reading and are mm -hmm. not interested in your posts so yeah it's uh that's a whole other topic but uh um maybe i'll just quickly finish up with one last question sure we're pretty we've pretty much hit the uh 40 minute mark and I, I know you're busy packing for heading to Spain next week so see <laughs> see si, si. si, <laughs> um, what's one thing you want to talk about which you're currently doing at the moment maybe something different or interesting that you want to bring to everyone's attention before we go have you got something uh, project wise let me think now not so much well I'm working on a new blog post uh, actually uh, with an infographic and what I'm going to do with this post is I'm um, having a look at the post, the authorship post I did, which I think is over 250, 260 shares and, you know, 50,000 views or something ridiculous like that. Wow. So what I'm trying to do is see what worked with that post because I can assure you readers, our listeners out there, not all of my posts are home runs like that. No. And even, you know, it's, a home run is a very relative thing. You know, Dustin Stout, I saw one of his posts yesterday with like seven, 800 shares. I was like, God, yeah, yeah, put me in the halfpenny place again. <laughs> so, Again, all, all these things are relative, which is kind of like what you said at the, at the start as well. Different people are at different levels. So just keep going from A to P. Keep trying to, to move up, get better, and expand your social footprint. Um, so hopefully my next post will help you expand your, your social footprint, and it'll have a nice little shiny infographic that I hope you share as well, you know? Yeah, sure. And that's, uh, I mean, I think that's an interesting thing to do. It's another thing I'm going to post on soon, another tool I found, which I'll, I might do a post on this week or next week, which shows you... Um, the most shared things you've had and how they've been shared and who did uh -huh. it and who did it. And I've never seen something free which was so easy to use and so useful until I stumbled across this the other day. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep the name quiet for a second. But I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll do it in a blog post very yeah, soon because yeah. I couldn't – this tool was insane. I was actually finding things out about my posts which I had no idea. Like, all of a sudden, I found a post which had – some hundreds of Google Plus shares, and I rarely get any hits on Google Plus, and partly because I put too many links in, which is the problem we discussed. But um, yeah, and I was like, wow, I didn't realize that post had been shared that many times. I had absolutely no idea. Yeah. I mean, I see the statistics in in uh, analytics, but that doesn't tell me that. So yeah, and analyzing that, as you say, the home run for you, I think is totally worthwhile and looking at your analytics and seeing what's worked for you and maybe writing something new or something different, but along the same lines, the same kind of topics. And I think it's definitely worth doing that every now and again. 
Definitely, definitely. Anyway, thanks very much for your time today, Robert. I certainly appreciate it, given that you're in the midst of moving. <laughs> no, not at all. I would, whenever the uh, the call comes in for something like this, I'd be a fool to say no, actually. No, so I, I do genuinely appreciate the fact that you uh, you knocked on my digital door and asked me to come onto the show. And I, for any people who've struggled through the 40-odd the minutes of me and my gum flapping, I do appreciate it, and I hope you found it useful. Uh, you can check me out for more stuff on robertryan.ie, and I think we'll... Uh, yeah, get in touch if you have any questions. I'd be happy to help. Yeah, we'll be throwing all the links and uh, and the other stuff in the show notes so people can certainly read all of that stuff. So anyway, happy travels and uh, I'll speak to you soon. Indeed, very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Right, thanks. So there you have it. Robert Ryan reveals all. I certainly hope you got as much out of that as I did. If you're into Google Plus or looking at improving your branding, Robert can certainly lead you down the right path and, and get you some massive improvements, I think, if you implement anything he's been talking about. All the links will be in the show notes at madlemmings.com slash episode three. That's just the number three. And that'll redirect you to the blog post itself. And I'll have all the links to the posts he's been talking about and all of the tools and interesting things that I was also mentioning. And you can certainly get in touch with Robert via his website. And I'll put the links in the show notes as well. And if you've enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes of the Mad Lemmings podcast, I'd appreciate it if you could leave a review. That really helps me out on iTunes. Just go to madlemmings.com slash review, and I've got a quick how-to on how to do that. Basically, you just go to the iTunes page and then the reviews tab and leave a review there. That would be awesome. So thanks for tuning in. And if you've got any comments or uh, anything interesting to add to the discussion, we're certainly open to hearing that. See you in the next podcast. 